At Team Toyota, now's the chance to build your next new Toyota exactly how you want it. So get the process started and reserve yours today. Or find a certified used Toyota or budget-friendly used car of any make. And if you're looking to keep your current vehicle safely on the road, they have a fast, friendly, and efficient service center. Need to fix that dent or make that bumper repair? The Collision Center can restore your car back to like-new condition. Or take your current vehicle to the next level with custom accessories like new rims, tint, and more. Just visit TeamToyota.net for more info. It's the morning after, the morning after another disappointing Philly season has come to an end. This is the Phillies Talk Podcast presented by Team Toyota. I'm Corey Simon. He's Jim Salisbury. And Jim, it was right there for the Phillies. You know, they controlled their own destiny going down to Atlanta in the last week of the season. They could have overtaken the division with a sweep, uh, but they were swept themselves. And then they ended the season on kind of a down note in Miami, finishing 82 and 80. So yes, they achieved their first winning season in a decade, but it's not really much of a solace uh, given the expectations for the Phillies this season, the performances they got from some key players, particularly Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler, just prime seasons from those two that, that went to waste. Yeah. Winning season for me is zero solace. I mean, you finish 82 and 80, um, one win above 500, two games above 500. Yeah, it doesn't, this was a team that was, you know, supposed to play in October, supposed to break uh, that long 10-year October playoff drought. Um, depending on how you compute it, either the fifth or sixth highest payroll in baseball at $205 million. In other words, a huge payroll. Like you said, an MVP candidate, a Cy Young candidate. Um, you know, a winning season was a minimal expectation, and it's nothing to break out the hats and hooters about. It's nothing to have a parade about. It's um, it's sad that they have to, you know, fight to the last day, this couple of days of the season to even have a winning season. But this was all about making the playoffs. They did not get it done. Um, their drought is at 10 years. It's, it's a major disappointment. Uh, it should be a, a major disappointment, a major embarrassment for everybody down at that ballpark. Because, you know, I wrote about this the other day. Joe Girardi was right. Uh, when, you know, it's all about winning. It's all about winning, competing and winning. And they don't do enough winning. They don't, they don't. I uh, haven't done it for an awful long time. And you mentioned, you use the phrase control your own destiny. They've controlled their own destiny like three of the last four years going into the final uh, portions of the season. One year they were uh, in first place uh, in mid-August and they had a collapse. Um, and then, you know, last year, and last year was a big asterisk year because um, of the expanded playoff format. But you know, they had a chance to make the playoffs, expanded playoff format right to the last day of the season, and they went down to Tampa Bay and got swept. Um, and I often think about how different it would have been if they had won that that last game last year and eked into the playoffs as like the 10th seed in a 10-team postseason tournament in the National League. Dave Dombrowski's probably not here. That might have been enough to, to, to save Matt Klintak, um his job as the GM. They might have went into this season with Matt Klintak as the GM if they could have gotten to the postseason, even with a losing record. Um, so because it was such focus on just getting to the postseason. So talking about one day changing so much and changing everything. Uh, that was that last day of the shortened 2020 season. And then this year, 
Yeah, they control their own destiny big time. I mean, they're up two games on the Mets on August 8th. Uh, they, you know, win eight in a row. They're up two games on the Mets on August 8th, up two and a half on uh, the Braves. And they promptly lose 11 of 15, and the Braves make a surge. They teeter a little bit, but they never relinquish it, and then they make another late, late surge. Um, some awful finishes from, for the Phillies the last four years. Some awful finishes. Let me start in 2018. Down the stretch, they finished uh, by losing 9 of 11. Lost nine of their final 11 games in 2018. Um, in 2019, they lost nine of their final 12. Last year, 2020, they lost seven of their final eight and lost a potential playoff berth there, as we just talked about on the final day. And this year, they lost six of their final seven, including three straight in uh, Atlanta, where they were closed out by the Braves. They'd gone into that series with a chance to, uh, if they swept, it was going to be going to be tough, a big challenge. But hey, they needed to sweep, and they ended up getting swept. Um, they really, I thought, rolled over in Atlanta. Didn't show enough fight. Um, their offense was manhandled by the Braves pitching, and the Braves um, clutch characters in that offense got a bunch of big hits. So, just to review, 2018 finished the season by losing nine of eleven. 2019 finished the season by losing nine of 12. 2020 finished the season by losing seven of eight. And 2021 finished the season by losing six of seven. And, um, you know, they controlled their own destiny in those seasons and they, you know, promptly drove it into a tree. <laughs> As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, you know, after 2018 and after 2019, uh, the blame lied upon, you know, the roster being not good enough and also Gabe Kapler, the manager, potentially not being good enough. And then he goes out and sets a franchise record with the Giants in terms of wins in a season for them as the Phillies just haven't made enough progress. I mean, yeah, they finished with a winning record, but they finished one game better than their prior best finish during this 10-year run going 82-80. and 80. And Sunday began with the Phillies firing a couple of coaches. So let's go through that. I mean, Joe Dillon, the hitting coach, is gone. Juan Castro, the infield coach, is gone. Does it simply come down to the fact that the offense and the defense weren't good enough and they were the scapegoats? I believe so, yes. I mean, it sounds that way. Um, because both are real hard workers, and I think both have the type of personalities that you want to be around in a clubhouse. I mean, there are personalities that wear guys out and they have to move on from them. Not these guys. This was uh, all uh, performance-based. I think there was such a disappointment with this team that 
Uh, somebody had to pay the price. Joe Girardi has another year on his contract. I still think they, they feel comfortable with him moving forward. I mean, clearly they do. He's coming back uh, for the final year on his contract. Um, the offense was so inconsistent in, in so many different areas. I mean, they, they would just go into these um, famines and disappear. I mean, and, you know, the most recent one was in Atlanta, six runs um, in three games, and you're eliminated. So uh, the runners in scoring position was, was so inconsistent. Um, and so they made a change. It surprised me a little bit on Dylan because I think he's pretty good. Um, and, you know, two years ago, they, re, they went out and recruited him, recruited him pretty hard from the Washington Nationals. And then two years later, he's not good enough to be your hitting coach. Um, you know, it makes you scratch your head a little bit. But Girardi said this is a performance-based business. And, you know, when that happens, you make changes. Both Girardi and Bryce Harper after – and Harper was close to, uh, to Dylan. He worked with him in Washington. Both of those guys mentioned after the game, they they looking for somebody um, – you know, they listed all the qualities they're looking for a hitting coach, but both of them mentioned game planning, how to approach certain pitches on a given night, uh, starter or reliever. So maybe there was a um, deficit there that they want to correct. And Juan Castro, I think, is a very good baseball man and a very good infield coach. And I've had other people tell me that. Uh, I just think this is a case of, of his pupils letting him down. Now, whether or not he had enough impact on improving his pupils okay that's fine oftentimes the coach and the teacher takes the fall but you know the left side of their infield and he was over he did oversee infield defense the left side of their infield was awful Didier Gregorius was was had a horrible year at shortstop to the point where I don't know how they can put him back out there next year and have any expectations to be a contending team that's how important that position is it's typically it's typically the best defender on your team shortstop Right. And, and he was just um, close to the worst. Uh, and the other guy, Alec Bowman at third base, had a difficult year at, at, at third base uh, and he didn't get any better. I, I suspect that had a lot to do with with um, with Castro, with the decision on Castro. I mean, D.D. at his age, with his his range um, um, slipping. I mean, kind of is what he is. But Bohm is that young guy that didn't get any better. So. Uh, and I, I will have to remind you, he was a poor defender in the minor leagues. There were questions about him as, as a defender in the minor leagues. I don't know if the best coaching in the world can turn him around, um, but we'll see. So they're making a change there. I think it had definitely had everything to do with their left side defense. I mean, Reese Hoskins is a poor defender, but he was a poor defender in the minor leagues. Um, so, you know, I don't know that he had the best raw ingredients to work with, Juan Castro in the infield. Um, but again, Joe, Joe Girardi used the expression performance-based business. So it comes down to an inconsistent offense. That's why the hitting coach is gone. And it comes down to an inconsistent uh, and a poor infield defense. That's why the infield coach is gone. And if they have a poor record again next year, a poor season, it'll be the manager that, that's gone. Because guys, that, guys are in this game, when your team doesn't perform, people in positions of leadership are accountable with their jobs. This year it was the hitting coach. It was the infield coach. Next year, it'll be the manager if there's not a big turnaround. Well, in talking about, you know, Alec Bohm being a poor defender in the minors and Reese Hoskins not being a strong defender coming up through the minors, uh, the Phillies minor league development has really taken a hit here as it has for much of, you know, this last decade. And uh, it was especially so this season. There were times in the month of September that the Phillies had four first round picks in their AAA lineup, which is not something you want. You want those guys graduating to the majors, but they were unable to get like productive years 
out of an Alec Bohm or a Mickey Moniak or uh, an Adam Hazley or Cornelius Randolph, at least to the point that any of those guys was able to help at the big league level. And on Sunday, when the Phillies season ended and Bryce Harper spoke via Zoom, he talked about just the need for the Phillies to improve their minor league system. Uh, he was asked, is that possible for a team that is trying to win now? Can they improve their minor league system while also trying to spend money and end a 10-year playoff drought? Uh, but, you know, that seems to be Harper's, uh, what he's zeroing in on right now. Well, he's zeroing in on getting better uh, team-wise because – he wants to get to the postseason. He's been here three years, might win the MVP this year. Three years of his prime have gone by and they haven't made the postseason. Um, it's a huge disappointment to him. Says he doesn't regret being here. He's committed. He wants to see this through. But he's also here for another decade, so he cares about the minor league system because those are the guys that are going to help him get there, you know, beyond next season and, and throughout the life of that contract. Uh, you mentioned all those number ones at AAA. How many were there? Five or four? Well, there were four, but there were five. Five, I guess, at various points, too, because Bryson Stott also made it up to AAA. He right. wasn't necessarily ready for the majors, though, yet, right? Right. So so eliminate Stott. So there were four of them there, and all of them were going the wrong way. Now, if you have four number ones going on an upward path, that's a good thing. They were going on a downward path, path, and, and that's a bad thing. Um, so Harper spoke after uh, Sunday's game. He did a little, little, uh, a little Zoom-a-thon after Sunday's game from Miami. And, um, you know, he kind of gave his state of the Phillies address. Um, like I said, still committed to being here. Disappointing he hasn't been to the postseason. Uh, he acknowledged the team has a lot of holes, talked about the hitting coach, talked about some of the things they need um, going forward. I mean, he really has a handle on this roster and a handle on this team. He mentioned Hoskins could be the DH, mentioned Bohm could go to first base or stay at third base. He mentioned that – Boehm has to get better and be more of a producer offensively. He mentioned the possibility of seeing Stott next year. I think at some point Stott's going to be in play here, whether it's at short, third, or second base, because uh, he swings it pretty good. Um, now, if he can pass muster defensively, you might see him at some point. I'm not saying April 1st, but you might see him at some point. Um, and Harper, ironically, and it's not the first time he's done that, but ironically, he said, you know, we can't continue to go out and just buy players. This from a guy they you know, at one point in time, briefly was holder of the largest contract in the history of the sport at 330 million. But he says you can't continue to go out and, and, and buy players. It's not sustainable. And he's right. You, you know, the good teams go out and pick and choose their free agents. And they're always kind of pushing their own homegrown talent to the big leagues, young difference making talent. That's also that also comes with a, a low price tag. That's how you sustain a payroll and how you manage a payroll. And they just haven't sent enough young players to the big leagues, at least enough uh, young players that have um, made a difference. I mean, they sent Bohm here this year. He struggled, played 111 games before going sent, be, being sent down. He, he struggled. They, they, they brought Ranger Suarez here. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good thing. That's a really nice bright spot. Uh, but he mentioned they, they, you know, back at the, before the trade deadline, he, was talking about um, the possibility of making trades. And he said, we have a quote unquote depleted farm system. I mean, that was a very strong word to hear from a player, um, but he was right. It's a depleted farm system. It's a bleak farm system. Uh, and then he kind of circled back on it again yesterday in talking about the need for the farm system to, to produce that difference-making talent um, that can sustain winning seasons. So you don't have to go out and buy players all the time. Um, again, interesting comments. I'm writing a little bit about them today, Monday, and that'll be on, on the website um, 
later on. But I mean, this guy, if you maybe some people might think he oversteps his boundaries being so critical of his own organization. Maybe um, other people, you know, maybe people think that should be said in private, maybe to Dombrowski and the GM, Sam Fulton. Um, but you, you can't um, fault him for not doing his homework. He, he really, he does his homework. He knows what's coming in the minor league system and he knows not a lot is coming. Um, I crunched some numbers. If you can bear with me, um, as I look through some of these numbers, I mean, it was bleak in the minor league system this year. Um, uh, they, they have a new farm director, director of player development and Preston Mattingly. He's got his work cut out for him and it goes hand in hand with scouting because you know, a minor league operation player development system relies on the um, it relies on the ingredients, the raw ingredients that is provided. It is provided through player procurement, draft, international signings, and whatnot. But really, a bleak season in the minor leagues this year. So, in AAA, um, AAA East, it's a twenty-team league. 20 teams in AAA East. Offensively, the Phillies were 17th in batting average at 236. And they ranked last in OPS at six at 0.635. And on the pitching side in AAA, um, they were 14th out of 20 teams with a 503 ERA. They were 19th, second to last in whip. And they were 20th last with the most walks. <laughs> I mean, not good. Let me try to run it through a couple more if I don't bore you to tears, Corey. In double A, double A Northeast, 12 teams um, led that league as well in walks. Um, ranked 11th of 12th in whip and 11th of 12th in ERA on the pitching side. And in double A on the offensive side, ranked 10th out of 12 teams in batting average at 232. And they were also 10th in OPS and 10th in strikeouts. So, you know, right pretty much at almost at the bottom in offense and, um, you know, at the bottom in walks. And over at Jersey Shore, their high A team, 10-team league, they did not lead the league in walks. Ooh. They ranked third with 479. Ah. They finished last in whip. They finished sixth in team ERA. And um, let's see what else we got. Offensively, they were last in OPS and they were last in batting average. This is pretty incredible. And then, yeah. And then Clearwater, one more last uh, full season team stateside. Uh, the Clearwater Threshers, a 10 team league. Um, they were uh, fourth in walks, <clears throat> seventh in ERA, and um, offensively they led that league in strikeouts, and they ranked uh, ninth out of ten teams in batting average, eighth out of ten teams in, in OPS. So, not not a real pretty picture. Numbers don't tell all the stories, but they certainly can help you tell a story and. Um, and what I mean by not telling all the story, is it instruction? Is it not enough talent? You know, it's probably a little bit of all of the above. They're just not, and that, that kind of 
add some perspective to what Harper's saying about, you know, not getting enough guys here that make a difference, not getting enough guys here that when they come, they can stay and really make a difference and how that has to change uh, for this team to, to be a sustainable winning team and how he really cares about that because he wants to get to the postseason next year, but he's also going to be here another decade. So um, farm systems, he has, he has a really devoted interest to it. Yeah, and some of those guys are going to be gone, right? I mean, even some of the prospects that the Phillies might be selling low on, it seems like Dave Dombrowski is going to try to just change things up here. Uh, Joe Girardi made reference of that in his postgame comments, talking about, you know, he knows that some of these guys are going to be gone, not necessarily referring to young players. You know, he's also referring to some of the players the Phillies have set for free agency. But it would seem that there's going to be a big-time roster overhaul for the Phillies this offseason because it's not like they have talent waiting in the wings at AAA – and if those guys aren't helping you, maybe you can find another team that still has, that still thinks they have some promise. Yeah. I mean, you look at that 40 man roster, they could turn half of that baby, I would think, or more. So I, I'd have to really dig in on it, but yeah, it could, it could receive a major overhaul. Um, they have a ton of holes at the big league level. My big question is how many can you fill in one off season? I mean, let's go through some of them. Um, I, I also looked at some numbers. They were, um, I think they need a leadoff man in the center field. It'd be great if you could get the, that one guy in the same package. But, um, you know, the big league team, <clears throat> leadoff on base percentage was 302. That ranks 29th out of 30 teams. And their number two man's on, on base percentage was 308. That ranks 28th. Now, now <laughs> listen, now, that could have been a little bit different if the Phillies kept Andrew McCutcheon in the leadoff spot they had to move him kind of out of necessity because they needed more run production in the middle of the lineup. But that being said, even McCutcheon had a down year from an OBP standpoint. I think he finished with like an on-base percentage of 335, which is right around the league average. So either way, you need more uh, on-base skills at the top of the lineup. Yeah. Ideally, as well. Nonetheless, you need, I mean, we're talking about 2022 now, based on where you were at this year, you need more table setters because you've got the MVPs swinging it in the number three hole. And you got Bryce Harper, um, I'm sorry, Reese Hoskins coming back. And, you know, he's a productive bat. I, I think this year we gained a new appreciation for Reese Hoskins. I know he had a couple of really big slumps, but gosh, when he produces, he produces. And they're a different team. And they were a different team without Reese Hoskins down the stretch. Um, they really missed his right-handed bat. Harper missed his protection. So uh, I just think they need, you know, table setter at one. Tables, and they got Segura, who can be a table setter when he's hitting. Uh, but, you know, you look at the contact he makes, maybe maybe he's he's more appealing in an RBI hole, like six um, or even seven. So, um, you know, I, I think they could use a leadoff man. They're going to need a left fielder that, that can hit righties and lefties, a, you know, a thumper. Um, they don't know what they're going to do at third base. Is it Boehm? Is he going to go to first base? What are you going to do with shortstop? Can you really put D.D. Gregorius back out there as a defensive liability? Does he have to go to third base? Does he have to go to first base? I mean, I don't know. Um, does he get traded? I don't know if anybody touches him um, off the season he's had. He's owed $14 million. Um, so I don't know which way you're going to go there. But that, that, that's an issue. Um, they, need, they need three starting pitchers. I mean, I know they, they come in next year with, with four at the top in Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, and Gibson. Eflin probably not going to be back until the leaves are back on the trees, right? Uh, coming off knee surgery. So they're going to need somebody to fill that hole. I don't necessarily see it coming from within the system. And then you're going to need depth. Every team needs depth. 
They're going to, you know, Kennedy's a uh, free agent. They're going to need a closer. Hector's a free agent. They're going to need <clears throat> back-end help. They're going to need a closer. So they have a, a ton of holes when you look at their, um, their defensive problems, their problems at the top of the batting order, their inconsistency throughout the batting order, and, and, and just the need to put pieces around Bryce Harper. Um, so you don't have the MVP holding up the MVP trophy in November with, with, with no postseason to show for it. Um, it's, it's, it's really a tough, a lot, a lot of holes. I don't know if they can fill them off all in one off season. I don't know if they can fill them all through free agency. I really think not. Dave's going to have to make some trades. I don't know what he, what, if he has enough attractive pieces in the system or on, on the 40 man roster to make trades. Um, it's, um, and that said, that said with the right tweak or two, I still think you can be in it again next year, just like they were this year. Um, unless somebody goes crazy next year, we'll see. Well, you asked the question, can they fill all those holes in one offseason? There are a ton of them. And if the Phillies don't just like spend, spend, spend their way out of this, it's going to be difficult to like adequately fill those holes. I mean, for example, they tried to fill a hole this season in the fifth spot in the rotation by signing Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. That didn't work. You can always find quote unquote solutions like that. The, the idea though is trying to find better solutions this offseason and looking at the Phillies payroll for 2022, they already have approximately $142.5 million committed. So yeah, they have some money coming off, uh, notably with Andrew McCutcheon coming off and some of those relievers, but they already have about $143 million committed, including 27.5 to Bryce Harper, 26 million to uh, Zach Wheeler, 23.8 million to JT Romuto. They have no choice but to continue trying. I mean, they have no choice but to keep investing because those guys are in the beginnings of those contracts. You know, I know we've talked about this a lot throughout the second half, but there's a very good chance the Phillies never again get the type of th season they had this year from Bryce Harper or from Zach Wheeler. And most likely they're not going to get that season in the same year from those two in terms of Wheeler leading pitchers, Harper leading hitters. So if you expect that those two guys are going to take a slight step back next year and into the future, that gives you even more of a reason to need, uh, you know, more reinforcements here coming in. No question. Um, you have so much money invested in, in that trio of players that you mentioned, and they're all in their prime. You can't let them die on the vine. You need to, you need to reinforce them, and you're going to have to do that with some spending and, you know, maybe a shrewd trade and, and maybe a surprise guy coming out of nowhere. But you're going to need improvement from Bohm. You're really going to need improvement from Bohm. You're going to need Ranger Suarez to keep keep doing what he's doing. Um, maybe not at that level. You mentioned Harper and Wheeler could take a step back. I mean, I don't expect Ranger to pitch at this level, um, you know, with a sub sub two for his whole career. But I expect him to be a, a guy who takes the ball every fifth day. He gives you a good chance to win and, and has some really good seasons here. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how they do all this. Um Dombrowski, I guess, is supposed to hold a little media session later this week. Um, so maybe get some ideas, but he doesn't typically, um, you know, reveal his cards very often, nor, nor do most general managers. Um, the one thing that I'm curious to see is, does he operate quickly and aggressively? Because last year he didn't come on board until mid-December. I mean, he's, he made a trade for Alvarado. And there were times when that was a good pickup, and there were times when it was an adventure. And it was like, oh, God. Um, 
I would expect Alvarado to be back and maybe you can reel him in a little bit more with his command and control. Actually, I don't think he has any command. I think it's all about, you know, to me, command is like control within control. I think you just have to hope you get some decent control. And, uh, but maybe with a full off season, Dabrowski um, can do more than just a, you know, a Matt Moore and a Chase Anderson. They were kind of picking around the bottom of the barrel there and, um, late in the off season and there were a lot of focus on getting JT back and they had, so they have him now and maybe they can go out and do something um, bold and aggressive early and, um, and then fill in around the edges um, to try to try to help this team, you know, move forward a little bit. I'm kind of interested to see what they do with Joe Girardi, who would be a lame duck next year, um, pick up his option which a lot of teams do because that gives you quote unquote clout in the clubhouse. Um, I would tend to make him earn it. You know, I would tend to make him earn it um, going to the last year of his deal without his option picked up once upon a time, Charlie, uh, I'm sorry. Once upon a time, Pat Gillick did that with Charlie Manuel and they uh, started a big push, uh, you know, they, they got really, they stayed right in it and then um, ended up winning a world series, making, having a big postseason run. And all of a sudden he had all the job security he needed. So uh, I, I would tend to make, to, to make Joe earn it a little bit uh, in 2020, but we'll see. Well, Jim, at the end of Bryce Harper's final uh, zoom session of the year with reporters, he, as he was leaving, he said, I hope I talk to you guys in November, which uh, he was referring to potentially talking after winning the NL MVP, which he's firmly in that race. And, I'm fascinated to see who's going to win this thing because there are reasons to and not to vote for Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, uh, Austin Riley, all those guys. It is going to be a fast, fascinating uh, vote. I mean, you mentioned Austin Riley. What a what an amazing step forward he took this year for the Braves. Uh, Phillies can only hope their young third baseman does the same thing next year. Um, uh, Harper had a magnificent season. I mean, he, he legitimately carried this team throughout the second half, kept it in contention. Soto had a remarkable season, a remarkable second half down in Washington. But, you know, they weren't in the hunt. So it, it comes down to, do, do you believe that an, an MVP not necessarily has to come from a winning team or a contending team, but I think it, it, it spices up that player's resume that he put up those those big numbers in, in, in the heat of a race, in, in uh, under pressure, pressurized situation and in pressurized games night after night, where a, team, a, a player who whose team waved the white flag at the trade deadline, they don't play in a pressurized game again during this, the regular season. And dealing with pressure and, and playing, um, you know, in the cauldron of a pennant race, you know, it, it means something. Um, how you deal with that pressure. And I thought Harper kept this team alive um, throughout the second half, pretty much all by himself after Harper went down and then all those uh, nights when the offense would disappear. So, and, and the same thing for Riley, Riley had a lot more support in his lineup. Um, a lot more support. I mean, like everybody on that team had 30 home runs, but nonetheless, he, he had a great season. Freddie Freeman, um, Soto, Brandon Crawford, I mean, somebody from that Giants team has to get some serious consideration. And it's probably Brandon Crawford, who was the steadying influence um, for a decade now on, on championship teams, World Series teams, and just goes out there and has a great team as a veteran player. For, for a manager, there were a lot of question marks about uh, Gabe Kapler. Well, he answered all those. He'll be the uh, National League Manager of the Year. Um, 
guys like Castellanos, uh, who I think would be a great Philly next year. I think you agree with me. Um, um, if he opts out and becomes a free agent, he's going to get some MVP consideration. Um, and I'm sure I am missing quite a few other uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. I mean, how about what that, that St. Louis team did? So it's going to be a really tough ballot one through 10 because, because you probably got 15 to 20 guys uh, who, who deserve a spot somewhere on that ballot, somewhere on that ballot. Uh, but the question on number one, um, it, it might be Bryce Harper's because he kept the team in contention uh, all the way Had a tough series in, um, in uh, Atlanta earlier last week, but he really kept his team in contention all the way, posted some uh, remarkable <clears throat> numbers. And it's funny because he, like you mentioned, I mean, he's been very reluctant to discuss the MVP award all season, or at least throughout the second half. When asked about it, he sidesteps sidestepped questions and only wanted to talk about the team and winning and things like that. Uh, said he wouldn't look at numbers, doesn't look at numbers until the end of the season. But, you know, after the final out was recorded yesterday and their season was over, yeah, he did acknowledge that this MVP thing exists. And this MVP thing is on his mind when he um, – after his probably 20 minute zoom session where he took a whole bunch of questions on the state of the team, he signed off by saying, hopefully I'll be talking to you guys in November. So yeah, the MVP is on his mind. He's going to get a lot of votes. I, I, I would probably say he's the front runner, uh, but you never know how the voting goes. Uh, it, it'll be a fascinating night in early November, mid November when that, when that vote is revealed. Yeah, I think it's going to be an extremely close MVP race. I think it's also going to be an extremely close NL Cy Young race. Uh, in the MVP race, I think that the more time that you know goes by here, the days that trickle by, I think people are going to talk themselves more and more into Juan Soto just based on the like the sheer absurdity of his numbers in the second half. However, you know, as you and I talk about all the time, when you're playing in a no-pressure situation, it's easier to put up those numbers. When everybody's pitching around you, when you have no uh, – lineup protection that makes it a little bit easier when you're in a 2-0 count seemingly every time you step to the plate so that should all kind of matter too um in the Cy Young race Zach Wheeler leads the majors in innings leads the majors in batter's face pitches thrown leads the National League in strikeouts he had a whip of an even one uh he's right in the mix there too it's it's pretty much for NL Cy Young it's Zach Wheeler it's Max Scherzer uh Corbin Burns of the Brewers Walker Bueller of the Dodgers Bueller kind of faded down the stretch. Scherzer has 35 fewer innings pitched this season than Wheeler. Burns has 47 fewer innings pitched this season than Wheeler. And that's a significant workload. I mean, you're talking about, for Burns, you're talking about the difference of like, you know, that's like nine starts, eight or nine starts. Uh, Burns has by far the best rate stats. I mean, if you look at his strikeout rate, his walk rate, his ERA and his whip, uh, he would win it if you just look at those numbers. But he also averaged fewer than six innings per start this season. Some of that was because Milwaukee was trying to protect him, save him for the playoffs where they were headed. Uh, but you can't deny that either. Uh, it's going to be a very close race. And the thing, too, is that, you know, when you think about could two Phillies win the awards if a team doesn't make the playoffs, you have a different set of people voting on each award. So they don't know if Wheeler's going to win one or if Harper's going to win the other when they sit down to make their pick. Yeah, and if the Phillies – end up with the National League MVP and the National League Cy Young winner in Harper and Wheeler. I mean, that's just going to be like taking a big canister of salt and pouring it into a gaping wound because you have 
two players like that having two seasons like that and you fail to make the postseason for a 10th straight year, just typical Phillies frustration. Yeah, you know, it's it's never quote unquote really happened that the uh, MVP and Cy Young came from the same team and that team missed the playoffs. There's a little bit of nuance to it because the last time that it happened was 1962 when the Dodgers had Maury Wills win MVP and Don Drysdale win Cy Young. They actually tied with the Giants that season. Each team went 101 and 61. So they had to play a three game tiebreaker series, which counted as regular season games for statistical purposes. So the Dodgers lost that series, did not make the playoffs. So technically, Philly's in the same position as those 62 Dodgers. But either way, it just hasn't happened in quite some time. would be pretty historic. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And all, all these years later, all these years later, what, 59 years later, the Dodgers and the Giants, both with huge win totals, what, 108 and 106? I mean, what a, what a division, huh? Yeah, one of the best division races ever out there in the NL West. Not one of the best division races ever in the NL East, I'll say that. So <laughs> that's going to do it for this Philly Stock podcast. He's Jim Salisbury. I'm Corey Simon. We'll catch you later in the week. <laughs>